You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast in our Bible Plus series. Um, right now, we're in the chapter of Acts, or the book of Acts, excuse me, and we're in chapter 8. Now, a lot of y'all probably got pretty excited um, listening to uh, Stephen's message in the last uh, chapter and a half, and um, not just excited, but moved. It's just a really moving speech, um, testimony, uh, gospel to those who were listening in Jerusalem. Now, at the end of his message, unfortunately, he was killed, and it seemed like such an awful thing, but honestly, y'all, God's life was manifested as the Word and the Spirit lived out of Stephen, um, and that was an incredible man um, who brought God and his Word and revealed it to the people in Jerusalem. Now, today we're getting into chapter 8, as I mentioned, and there's kind of a transition here in the first three verses. So, there's Saul. This is Saul of Tarsus, who ends up becoming Paul, and Paul was there approving the killings. Now, we could focus on that, we could highlight this, but um, today I actually just want to focus on something that stands out to me in this first verse, is that it identifies the church, which is in Jerusalem. Now, the church, most of us have so many thoughts that come to mind when we hear, hear church. Um, when I was growing up, a church was the building that was on the corner of the street. It was the place I went on Sundays. If you're a little more developed or, uh, <laughs> I don't know, um, you've read maybe more of the New Testament, the Lord's revealed something to you, you might realize that the church is not a place, um, but it's the person. It's, it's, it's Christ himself. And actually in Ephesians, <clears throat> maybe you all have read this before, but at the end of chapter 1 of Ephesians, it says, And the church, which was his body, which is his body, so, y'all, Christ, Jesus Christ has one body, and when we are the many members of his body. And so his body, he has his, he's the head, we're the body, we, he, we have his very life, that's what makes us members of his body. So if the, the body is the church, if we were to say it's a building, then how can he have, how can there be so many so-called churches on the earth? That would mean he has many bodies, and that's just not the case. Now, if we put on our, our lenses and, our, and, we, and we look at the whole New Testament and even the whole Bible, there's this principle that God's people are one and God has one body. He has one uh, group whom he's called out. In the New Testament, they're the believers who have received him as life in their spirit. I believe, repented, um, and then we'll see actually in this chapter that that leads us to be baptized. But here it says the church which is in Jerusalem, and since this is the body, it identifies and acts. Something really helpful, the fact that it's the church which is in Jerusalem, meaning, yes, there is the universal church. There's the universal church in reality, but practically, what does that look like? Practically, what does the universal church look like lived out? And that has to be in the grounds of locality. Here, since they're in Jerusalem, it's talking about the church which is in Jerusalem. When God looks at the city of Austin, where, where I live, where many of you are living right now, God, Christ, he only sees one body. He sees the church, which is in Austin. <laughs> That's what he would say. It would be a repeat of the beginning of Acts chapter 5. So I just want to insert that here at the beginning. I thought it was so incredible. Yes, 
Saul is doing uh, terrible things to the church, but God is going to use that uh, a chapter after this to convert him and turn him to the true and living God. Okay, so now let's look at the rest of the chapter. And to do that, we really have to look at Philip. It's just Philip, 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 and God's work through Philip, around Philip, in Philip. Um, so let's dive in. Now, Philip, in this chapter, he's not the apostle. He's one of the ones, <clears throat> if, you, if you consider chapter 6, he's one of the ones who was appointed to serve and wait tables. That's because the apostles had so many things that they were taking care of. So many matters that they had to consider and fellowship about. And the church had many needs, one of them being to distribute uh, the, 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 the uh, items or food to the saints in the church. So everyone there felt good about appointing. Let's appoint um, some well-attested men, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, to take care of these needs, to be appointed over these needs. And one of them was Stephen, whom gave that, who gave that awesome message, spirit-filled message, and Philip was the other one. So this chapter, we're going to be talking about Philip, the one who was what we might call a deacon or um, someone who was appointed to wait tables. Now, this one, uh, this person, Philip, right away in verse 4 of chapter 8. We're back in chapter 8. Okay, there were those who were there were scattered throughout the land in Jerusalem. So the ones in Jerusalem, because of Saul's persecution, the, the Jewish persecution of the believers, they were scattered. They were scattered and announced the word as the gospel. So once again, we can look at the negative elements of what was going on with the persecution of the Christians, the believers then. But actually, time and time again, we see that these terrible world situations, the, these terrible world events, uh, here we have the persecution of the believers. If you look back at... Um, at uh, the Christian pers persecution in Europe. Well, what did they do? They fled to America. And God has so blessed and used America for the propagation of his life, the propagation of his word, the spreading of his economy, his, his, his riches, the riches of his life through the body across the whole world, across the whole earth. So that came out of persecution, a terrible situation. The sovereign God allowed for the Holocaust to happen. I have goosebumps just saying that. It was so tragic. Yet the sovereign, almighty God allowed that to happen. Why? Why? Well, if you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, they testified that Israel would become a nation again. So God used the Holocaust. Uh, uh, Hitler and his, his evil, evil regime. Uh, they were wanting to terminate the Jewish race forever. God's people on the earth. But God, He used that evil intention of Satan in these men to carry out his purpose to establish a country, Israel, on the earth, where he would eventually uh, fulfill his purpose, build a temple, and come back to his people. So that happened in World War II, and this just happens time and time again, where the divine history is woven, uh, woven seamlessly with the human history. God works in the world situation. So it's something terrible, but we'll see in Philip's life here, in his experience, that scattering, that scattering brought the gospel from Jerusalem to God's pure chosen people, from the Jews, to, from in verses 4 through 13, he brings it to Samaria, a despised region, because it was mixed with the Jewish people and the Gentiles. So they're called the Samaritans, and you could remember this in John. Um, the Samaritans don't have a very good reputation. 
So anyway, here God God moves from the Jews and through the scattering he moves to bring the gospel, um, brings the spirit, brings himself to the Samaritans, a mixed people. And then eventually at the end of this chapter, God brings the gospel not only to the Jews and the people who have been joined to the Jews, but also he has brought it to the Gentiles. I've never done an Ancestry.com test or whatever those other tests are. I don't know if I have any Jewish uh, ancestry in me, but I'm pretty sure I'm completely Gentile. So I'm just witnessing God's move here in this chapter uh, at this point in Acts, uh, where God is going from his people all the way to the ends of the earth, and Philip is smack dab in the middle of it. So here, <clears throat> there's something incredible going on in, uh, in a city of Samaria, and um, in this region, people are there hearing the gospel. You know, there is a, a really weird situation where there was magic, weird, unclean spirits doing things. Um, and people were impressed and believed them, thought they were godly. And that's where this guy, Simon, um, Simon, this great magician, they thought he was sent by God. But Philip came and he just had the pure testimony of Jesus. And he announced the gospel of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. So they were believing, they were baptized. That was the order of things. The gospel came um, <clears throat> through Philip and the many believed were baptized at that point, the Spirit of God got into man. Essentially, inwardly, intrinsically, the Spirit was within them, eternally saved, eternally saved. Their salvation cannot be undone. We have a security and assurance of our salvation. We can rejoice in this. But, y'all, I don't know if you caught this, but there's something interesting that happens after this where there was a confirmation by the apostles. So the Spirit, it said later on that it hadn't been poured out um, it had not been poured out, but that's weird because they were, they were, they believed and they were baptized, right? Strange. This happened in the house of Cornelius earlier on in the book of Acts. So why didn't it happen? Why did it not happen here? And what happened was, okay, Philip at, at the house of Cornelius, it was Peter. He preached the gospel. They got saved through Peter. They baptized him and they were identified with the body of Christ. But here is Philip announcing the gospel and Philip was not an apostle. That doesn't mean he was any less, but his role was just, his role was to um, take care of the things of God, full of the Spirit, uh, uh, spread and preach the Word of God, the Gospel of God, and to take care of the, the needs of the saints and waiting tables. But here he is announcing the Gospel. And later on, actually later on in Acts, he's identified as Philip the Evangelist. So this was his, his, uh, his function in the body. He was an evangelist. But even him, being an evangelist, there was a need for the apostles, Peter and John were sent to identify, to lay their hands on those believers. Lay their hands on the believers and the Spirit of God was poured out on them uh, economically. That means outwardly, blessing them outwardly. So they were inwardly filled with the Spirit when they believed and were baptized. But then with the identification of the apostles, the apostles with these believers, they were anointed and the Spirit was poured out upon them outwardly for the carrying out of God's work. <clears throat> so that's what was going on there. Hopefully that clears some things up for you because it is a little a little tricky and it may it may cause you to wonder why was the spirit not just poured out immediately on them? And in a sense it was at the time of their believing. In their spirit they were regenerated children of God, saved forever. 
but outwardly for entering into uh, the work and ministry of God um, and his carrying out of his purpose on the earth, they needed to receive the Holy Spirit outwardly, the pouring of the Spirit outwardly for that. Okay, so hopefully that clears it up. But then there's this guy, Simon. I mentioned him before. He was the guy doing the magic. He was the magic guy. <clears throat> and um, we just saw what happened with him. You know, he believed in verse 13. He believed. He was baptized. It was incredible. Um, but <laughs> uh, he, saw, he saw the Spirit um, being poured out through the laying on of hands of the apostles. And he wanted that. He loved the power. He loved the following. He loved money. And that was seen in him asking the apostles, asking Peter and John, teach me how to do it. I want to do this. And they gave him a really firm word in verses 20 through 23, a really harsh word. And, um, <laughs> and even Peter said, uh, what did he say? Where is this? Um, in verse 20, may your silver go with you into destruction. Um, does that mean he wasn't saved? No. This is talking about how he lives on the earth, his heart. And even, even Peter uh, requests of him, your heart is not straight before God. It's not straight. You're not pure before God. Go to him. And this is a warning to us, y'all. We need, we need to really consider our ways. When we were saved, we had all sorts of background, all sorts of baggage. But we need to have a pure heart towards God. And may, may the Lord, by his mercy, shine on us and reveal these things to us. <clears throat> so anyway, I don't want to spend too much more time on this because the next part is really epic. And I'm already going a little long, but at the end of this chapter, verses 26 through 39, really, but let's just say 40, this same Philip who was appointed, <laughs> uh, he was appointed full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit to, pre to proclaim the gospel to this Ethiopian man. And he, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. So for all of us listening, this is also a really good, just recalibrating word. And in our mindset, realizing salvation, yes, it comes, it passes through us, is brought to man through us. But really, it is initiated by God, by the Spirit of God. It's not Philip. It was the Spirit that led him. So he was full of the Spirit, but also he was sensitive to the Spirit's leading, the Spirit's speaking. So it's not something initiated by us or by man, but by God. <clears throat> now, where was the Spirit moving? I touched on this a little bit earlier on in this podcast. But um, we saw God's work. We saw the Spirit moving in Jerusalem in the previous chapters. And then earlier in this chapter, he was moving, uh, the Spirit was moving in Samaria. And then now, now the Spirit's coming to the Gentiles, the eunuch, um, who is head over the treasury of, of the Queen of Ethiopia. So this is incredible. And the Spirit, through Philip, reaches this man by the word, and by, uh, by and through the scriptures. Now, um, let's just break this down a little bit. I'm going to wrap up here, but the eunuch, after hearing uh, the gospel proclaimed to him through the scriptures, opened up through the scriptures, he saw water, and he responded in his heart. He was like, whoa! He's moved to action. Look, water, look. What prevents me from being baptized? What you said. Philip, what you just said. I want that. I want that. So this, this really says a lot. Y'all, this says a lot. And the first thing I want to point out is the gospel includes baptism. You can be saved, eternally saved and not baptized, but in the New Testament, whenever, whenever, someone, is, whenever someone believes and is regenerated, following after almost right away is baptism. 
the longest period of time between baptism, or sorry, someone being saved and being baptized is three days, and it was Saul who became Paul. So anyway, that was what touched me to be baptized when I was a freshman in college. Um, so the gospel includes or leads men to be baptized. And secondly, Philip only had one condition to being baptized. One condition, only one thing. He said, if you believe from your heart, all your heart, you will be saved. And then, and then the eunuch responded, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the chariot was stopped and he was baptized. The only requirement to be baptized is that you believe into the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, so it's incredible. Y'all, I just pray, Lord, make me like, a, make me like Philip. Not just in this outward working, but also the one who in chapter 6 was full of the faith, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit and well, uh, well attested among men. Um, and I just pray the Lord would lead us all to become like this. Uh, but for now, I think that's good. Y'all, chapter 8 is incredible. It didn't stop with Stephen's epic message, but it just kept going up. Kept going up with Philip, with, um, with his awesome message to the believers in Samaria. And then to uh, Simon, the correcting word. And then lastly, to the, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. So praise God that his word is going out and salvation is being brought to man. And that's none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right, everyone, you have a wonderful rest of your day. Praise the Lord for his, his, his excellent word.